You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. I want to look with you at, at John 12 tonight. Our text is in John 12. And... Um, Specifically on the verse that is kind of buried in there, where Jesus says, Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces an abundant harvest. And I think there's a real call to sacrificial love in, in here that Jesus is giving us. And, um, you know, that's, that's really the point of this whole season. That's, that's the point of his dying and rising um, he, he's making the sacrifice of love and he's calling us to follow him in that. Um, Lent invites us to look at the story of Jesus's death and how he got there and what it meant. I think so that we can hear this call to sacrificial love in our own lives. And I got to tell you that, um, the text in John 12, if you read the whole chapter, and it's, it's really long, and we read it in the 5 o'clock meeting, and it, and it took so long, I won't do it. We won't do it here at 7. Um, but it's all worth reading. If you want to go home and read John 12, there's so much in there. Um, and it show, I really appreciated it this week because it shows us what a confusing time uh, what a confusing situation and time it was around surrounding Jesus's death. Um, Jesus, specifically in that chapter, Jesus is honored and he's at the same time, he's like hunted down. There's all these paradoxes. He's believed and followed. And at the same time, he's rejected and ignored. Um, there's re- all this really confusing stuff going on politically in terms of the Roman oppressors and the religious Jewish leaders um, and Jesus questioning the religious tradition and all these layers um, of like the different powers like opposing one another and coming after Jesus for different reasons and people generally not knowing what to think. And that just really spoke to me about our own time. Like... I think we live in some pretty confusing times too. And I, I just, I just want to acknowledge, um, that, that we might be feeling that too. Um, and, and I hope it provides some comfort that Jesus, like Jesus went through that too. He also lived in a really confusing time and situation. Um, we're coming out of this two year pandemic, except, you know, we're not really out. And, and lots of people I'm, are talking about, like, uh, maybe a new strain coming down the pike soon. And um, so many people I spoke to were sick this week, not, not with COVID, but just other things and other struggles, um, related and unrelated. And we're sad about what's happening in the Ukraine. And also noticing the, noting the injustice of not having the same kind of global outcry when black and brown countries are invaded and threatened. We're also 
I'm talking about like all the confusion that we we are facing. We're also picking up um, pieces in our church of misunderstandings and distance in the pandemic and, and trying to see Jesus through them. I talked to several people this week who were trying to shake depression and anxiety for lots of different reasons. So if you feel if you feel weighed down these days or or just kind of lost or uncertain um, where to put your focus and your energies, I feel you, and God feels you, and ha- and has been there, and is there. And I, I hope we can see that tonight in the text. And I also want to, hey, Marcus, I also want to propose to you that um, even in all this confusion of these times, for Jesus, for us, there's this great opportunity, I think, in this moment to see Jesus there um, in the midst of that confusion and be called to the same sacrificial love um, for, for such a time as this, I believe that the seed that Jesus is and that we are could be about, about to break open into new life in untold abundant ways. So I hope that, that we can see Jesus this season and how he's leading us there, even through this hardship. Um, a couple highlights from the text. Some of my favorite lines in here were, Stop bothering her, Jesus replied. Do not be afraid, daughter. Your king is coming. See, the whole world has gone after him. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Where I am, my servant also will be. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. This is Jesus speaking. And now this is the Father speaking. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Walk while you have the light. I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There's a lot in the chapter that is really, really difficult and confusing. Like I was saying, Jesus is misunderstood, rejected. He's about to die a really painful death, really shameful death too, like a common criminal. Um, But I also want to point out to you that the chapter starts with resurrection. Like it starts with Jesus sitting at the table, literally having a meal with a guy who used to be dead who he raised, he called out of the tomb and raised to life. And he's sitting there, um, and he gets this lavish gift from the sister of that man who was raised to life. He gets this perf- expensive perfume poured all over him. And um, it's, it's such a lavish gift that it raises eyebrows. Um, and we're going to talk about that more in Holy Week when we, when we do the anointing at Bethany. Um, but, but the chapter starts with this resurrection and it ends there too. It ends with Jesus giving this, this assurance of eternal life. He says, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. And so that's the gist. And I think that's why we're here tonight to see our way 
through all this confusion and hardship with Jesus by, by putting our faith in him. And the heart of the invitation that Jesus is about to demonstrate with his own body is something that we can see all around us this spring. Um, with the trees blooming and the, the flowers blooming, we can see this death-to-life process in nature. Um, and I love how Jesus applies it to himself. He says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. He's talking, of course, about his own death. He's talking about himself as this seed who's going to draw many people to him if he's lifted up from the earth, if he surrenders to this to this process of obedience to God, really. Um, he says that, he makes this promise that if the seed of himself dies, it will produce more seeds. And we, we here tonight, I think, are those seeds that, that Jesus' death um, allowed, right? Gave way to. And so I think his invitation is for us. He says, whoever serves me must follow me in this process. Um, and so, like, that's why Lent is for all of us. We, we, as his followers, have to reckon with this dying process, too. Not just someday in the future, like we talk about on Ash Wednesday, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yeah, it's, it's good for us to think about our mortality. But even now, what does the call to die look like for us now? What, is it, what does it mean to pick up our cross now and follow Jesus Well, I think we can look, one of the ways we can answer that question, I think, is looking at this natural metaphor of the seed. Like what, so, so how does a seed actually die? And I, I, I loved thinking again about it this week, about how like the seed wall softens. That's how, that's how this, that's how the potential inside gets released, is this, the hard outer shell of the seed softens by being in this soil that we're drawing around the cross, this, this, this fungi, this um, bacteria. Um, it's a network, it's a whole network of it that helps to soften up that, that outer wall of the seed. Um, there's no explosion in the ground. There's no big, like, one event. And that this is why I think it's a process for us, too, and why we need to be patient with ourselves. Because um, it's not like there's a big explosion in the ground and the seeds open up. It's like this gentle, gentle work of this bacteria. And I like thinking of this bacteria as, like, um, the power of the Holy Spirit to, like, reveal what, what we want to change and, and what we really want in general. And it, it also is like other people in there, like people of faith that we can lean on and like be transformed together. Um, sticking ourselves in that environment, I think help, can help to soften our own seed walls. So like we're doing it right now. We're here in this meeting together. Uh, we have a chance to get softened up 
even here. Um, a lot of times for me, honestly, too, it's bumping up against my what help what 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 almost forces me <laughs> to soften my seed wall of of like defense or resistance to change is bumping up against my own limitations, like um, habits, um, compulsions that I have that aren't just are aren't working anymore. Um, that aren't like getting me what I actually want or need. I'm I'm literally outgrowing them. I think those can be great reasons to to um, soften up, let other people in, let Jesus into our process, get vulnerable, ask for help. I think we've been really doing this. I, I want to encourage you because I think that we've been doing really working on this as a church recently. Um, the pandemic has given us a lot of good reason to, to, to do it, to get more vulnerable, but in a way it's almost been harder to do it um, because of confusion and isolation. But I think we're, I think we're getting better at it. Um, recognizing our need to be vulnerable, to ask each other for help. Uh, I know my cellmates really challenge me on this. They call me out in good ways. Um, so I hope you're, I hope you're in a cell where a, a small group, we're a cell church. So we meet in these smaller groups throughout the week so that people can know us well enough to say like, Hey, what do you really need there, Josh? You know, like, how can I pray for you this week? That's, we, we need that. That helps to like soften our seed walls and stick us in this soil of transformation. I think as a church, uh, we're also questioning, we're trying to question and let go of ways of doing things that um, that we just don't need anymore. They, they, maybe they were like stressful or too much or, or pretentious in ways that kept other people out of our life together. And we, we are repenting. We're trying to repent of them and let them go. Um, like we couldn't find a drummer today for our five o'clock meeting and um jimmy and i we know a lot of musicians and we called like every drummer we knew all weekend long and couldn't find anybody anybody so we so finally it was like hey we're just gonna worship god we don't really need a drummer you know we can worship god um just as we are and our kids team leader hannah uh, she changed her plans and showed up herself too to watch the kids because the other people who had signed up were sick this week. And so these are just examples of how like we want to, we're working with ourselves as we really are. Like, like we're, we're not only asking each other for help and getting vulnerable, but we're also like letting God make something beautiful out of like what we actually have and not what we think like we should have had um, in order to do whatever. Um, we have enough. We have enough. Uh, that was actually the word I got from Jesus when I, when I took communion here tonight. This is a softening. So the invitation is to soften our our defenses and our resistance to change, just to let our seed walls actually get softened.
the way to get transformed, I think, the way to follow Jesus in this death-to-life process is really a softening. It's um, feeling our feelings, which is so hard sometimes. Um, Letting our guard down, learning to ask for what we need and let other people in. The thing that I find really comforting about um, this metaphor and and that practice is that, like, we don't have to manufacture a new self. Like, God, is, that's not what God is asking of us. Like, God is not saying, you have to totally reinvent yourself, Ashley. No, God is saying, no, we just have to, like, reveal Soften up so, like, what is already there can be revealed. I, that's, that's the invitation from Jesus. Just stop defending against the change. Let God do. Let God bring out what's already in you, this potential for abundant life, for new life. It's there. Um, stop resisting. Stop resisting the process. It's a, it's a really curious thing because, um, you know, it's good change is always hard and we do resist it, but at the same time, it's, it's this totally natural thing. Another paradox. Often, um, I, I get to see a spiritual director every other month and she often, like when I'm getting to the heart of my real issue, finally, she says, oh, Rachel, that sounds like self-acceptance right there. Like you're finally, you're finally showing some self-acceptance. And it always makes me laugh because um, I think we do often fight and resist uh, this process of connection with God and connection with others um, because we're scared. We have a lot of defenses, right, against against um, change. We're not sure if we can really trust God that it's really going to be good. Um, but what actually gives us the deepest joy and peace is is this surrender to God's way. Um, it is this realization of our connectedness with not just with each other, but with the whole world, with all of creation. And so the invitation is more of a, a yielding to the spirit, like an, uh, an, uh, more of like an allowance, uh, more than all this like striving and working and like girding it out and sucking it up that we're like taught to do. I think this is why Jesus, if you remember the Apostle Paul, he had a great transformation. He used to be a murderer, you know, super angry guy going around killing Christians. He was he was um, super stuck on himself, too, in his, like, religious rightness about this. Um, and he met Jesus one time on the road in this blinding light. And what Jesus said to him was, Paul, why do you kick, why do you keep kicking against the goads? 
which was like uh, the goads are like this, you know, this like poker that farmers used to poke the cattle with when they were going the wrong way. And it hurts, you know, so it would make them go the right way. And and I think God was saying to Paul, like, I'm I'm trying to direct you uh, on the path of my will here. And you just keep fighting me like and you're hurting yourself. You're just hurting yourself by fighting my will. Why do you keep doing that, Paul? Um, you know, violence <laughs> and, and self-righteousness is not my will, Jesus was saying. And, and ultimately, it's, I think it's futile to keep resisting this process, to keep resisting God's will for us because God's desire for us is this abundant life with each other. It's what it's literally what we're designed for, like eternally. And so the invitation is to stop resisting and fighting and defending and and to surrender to God in this process of transformation. Um, my our temple cell meets here on Tuesday nights, and we've been reading Howard Thurman's um, Howard Thurman wrote so many books. Uh, I think more than 20, but a lot of the best um, parts are in the Selected Meditations book. And so we've been reading through this together. And Howard Thurman is was a black pastor, activist, um, mystic, and like super gentle, deep guy. But he has this, he had this word to us about surrender this week that just like was like, whoa, Howard, like, we don't even know how to, like, take this. So I, wa- I want to um, I want to read it to you because I think he doesn't, it's a real word for Lent, and he doesn't mix any, you know, he doesn't try to make it more flowery than it needs to be. In Christianity, there is ever the central inescapable demand of surrender. The assumption is that this is well within the power of the individual, If the power is lacking, every effort must be put forth to find out what the hindrance is. No exception is permissible. If the eye is a hindrance, pluck it out. If the arm is a hindrance, cut it off. Whatever stands in the way of the complete and full surrender, we must search it out and remove it. If a bad relationship is a hindrance, one must clean it up. In other words, whatever roadblocks appear, the individual must remove them. The yielding of the very nerve center of one's consent is a private personal act in which a human being says yes. The ability, the ability to do this, to say yes to God, is not the result of any special talent, gift, or endowment. It is not the product of any particular status due to birth, social definition, race, or national origin. It is not a power one can exercise only if given the right by one's fellows. It is not contingent upon wealth or poverty, sickness or health, creed or absence of creed. No, the demand is direct and simple. Surrender your inner consent to God. This is your birthright privilege. And one can do it directly in their own name. They need no special sponsorship. We yield our heart to God, and in doing so, experience for the first time a sense of coming home and of being at home. And he goes uh, he goes on to talk about it more. 
Um, but I think part of what happens when when we come home like that, when we when we can soften our seed walls enough to feel like this new potential inside and our connectedness to each other and to God. Um, it's hard because we see and feel the pain of the world. And we were talking about this in our uh, peacemakers meeting yesterday. Rand called the circle of peacemakers together. This is one of our compassion teams. And um, he led us to consider how, how we continue the work of peacemaking here and around the world. And we, we were realizing again just how huge it is and intersectional and like um a real work of the spirit like like not just the absence of conflict that the peace is not just the absence of conflict but a, but a healing from all kinds of oppression racism homophobia poverty and how it not only plays out in the billions of dollars that we send around the world, like we just sent a billion dollars to Ukraine um, for weapons, but in the, you know, the guns on our streets in Philly and just the healing um, that we long for. And, and, and I think it's so tempting. We were even having moments in our meeting where we're like, oh my God, these problems are so huge. Like, what can we actually do about like, you know, politics on the world stage and, um, or even um, these systems of, of injustice in Philly, like what can we do? Um, and so it feels risky to care. I wanna acknowledge that. It feels risky to care. And so I think the temptation is always to like get back in our little seed, put the walls up, so that our life is like as small as we can make it and we don't have to like think about these painful problems. But Jesus calls us to keep breaking down, breaking down these walls so that we, we can not only care and feel, but we can see how we're part of this network. We are part of this network of the movement of the Holy Spirit. And we are not alone and we, we don't have to, we don't, we could never fix any of these problems alone, but with Jesus in this process, we can be part of the healing and transformation of the world, and we already are, even making a circle of hope together. Rand also reminded me of the book, um, one of the books I read in grad school, The Pedagogy of the Oppressed, um, and the premise is that we, we must not only reflect on the nature of oppression, um, and I think, you know, we get braver to do that when we can let our seed walls be softened, but we, but we join with others to make a difference. Um, so it was more inspiration to just to come to, be able to come together humbly and talk to each other now about like what we're facing and, and what this is like. Um, and we're working on that now as a church in a lot of ways, namely in our mapping process um, right now. In fact, we're pausing. We had this big goal like to have the whole map done by Easter Monday. 
And I don't know if we're going to get there and we're like, we're letting ourselves not care as much about like the timeline and the goal as much as like the quality of the listening that we're doing. And so we're, we're going back this last week and this week to particularly um, with our folks of color and disabled folks and the LGBTQIA partners and asking like our, what, what's missing from this draft? Like, what are we, what are we not hearing? Because we know that um, there's, there's wisdom from Jesus that we need, that, that those of us with dominant culture, a dominant culture lens don't see as easily. And, you know, in a way, we're, we're kind of all in that boat, and so we've got we've to look and listen together more closely. We're trying that. We're trying that together. I think I have a little more to say. Oh yeah, I've I visited just in closing. I visited some um, stations. It was my birthday this weekend, and what I really wanted. My family was so patient with me because what I really wanted to do was visit some stations of the cross, <laughs> and they were like, "Okay," um, but they agreed to go with me, and. Um, the kids were not really excited, of course. Um, but with minimal complaining, they came with me. And um, the station that stood out to me the most was when Jesus stopped and he speaks to the women, the daughters of Jerusalem, as he says it. And I just... I just, I don't know how I missed that before. I just never considered like how, like he's caring, he's like, he, he cannot, he's, he's so beaten and physically like incapable at this point that, you know, Simon had to, another person had to carry the cross. Like he can barely, he can barely move. He's so close to death and he stops and he, see, because he sees these women crying and he acknowledges them. And um, he sees their pain, and he essentially says to them, don't weep for me. Like, I see you too. I see your pain. And it just um, was a word for me that, like, in this, the, this process of transformation, this, like, softening of our seed walls involves acknowledging what is terrible, acknowledging what is painful, in our lives, in each other's lives, and letting it soften us. And it's not, that's not a hopeless process, because even, even as Jesus is addressing these women, he, he calls them daughter, which is a, you know, a, a term of endearment that, like, signifies that he's, like, that God is, like, this loving father who is, like, making way for salvation, um, at the same time that he's acknowledging this pain and this horror. And so I think, you know, so much is terrible. So much has happened in the past year. Um, there's so much pain in the world, and we can let it, we can let it move us and change us. I think the invitation is to turn to God and surrender to this process 
of change and reliance on the spirit and each other, not just our pre-pandemic ways of coping with things, um, but to, to surrender to the power of the spirit to change us, um, to help us see what we need to see that we maybe haven't seen before in order to love more sacrificially as Jesus has loved us and calls us. I think, I think that's what this seed thing is all about. And lastly, I, we can't do this like we don't have enough. I just want to say to you as a really passionate person myself, we don't have enough passion and uh, to do this on our own. We're going to have to rely. Um, we're, we need the power of the Spirit because there will be times that we don't understand and that we bump up against our limitations again. Um, I feel like this every day. Um, bumping up against my the, the, the limitations of my, like, capacity in lots of ways and, and need Jesus to show me again this bigger picture and this network of the Spirit's power to move and transform us together. Let me pray for us. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.